Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. And we are kicking off a brand new series called Yahweh, the names of God. Now, this is going to be our runway leading up to Easter. Somebody say three weeks. Easter is in three weeks. Did you know that? Man, it is here. It is on us. And we felt like this would be a great way to ramp up into the Easter season, talking about the names of God. Uh, How many of you know that names are important to us? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that even the names in Louisiana are a little unique? Turn to your neighbor and say, we're different. Uh, Come on, we may be a, a touch crazy, but man, we're crazy for Jesus. We got some different names in Louisiana. We have like Boudreaux and Thibodeau and Pierre. We even have a Pierre Thibodeau. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, I bet you didn't know that. Gotro. I love the names in, in Louisiana, but how many of you have realized that sometimes what you're named and what you're called are not always the same? How many of you have a nickname? How many of you didn't name yourself that nickname, but something happened? There's a story behind it and it just stuck. Oh, yeah, we've got like Bubba, Bo, Booger, <laughs> Tootsie. Sugar, Uncle Nookie, (laughs) had no idea that his name was Phil, but it was just Uncle Nookie. (laughs) In Louisiana, if you're a junior, this is what I've learned too, if you're a junior, sometimes they'll put T in front of your name, like T. Wayne, T. Bob, T. Mo, and then if you're the third, they'll sometimes call you Trey. Is this right? Is this that kind of names according to Louisiana? I thought this was cool. Sometimes we give our kids two names, you know, like two first names, like Mary Ellen, Emma Grace, Michael James, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) Uh, In my house, all the girls have the same middle name. It's Delenn. We have Rachel Delenn. We have Alexa Delenn. We have Michaela Delenn. And when the kids were small, they thought my middle name was Delenn. Like, no, I'm a Howard. Hey, what's so funny about that? Michael Howard. I think that our parents gave us middle names. So when they called us by all three names, we knew they meant business. How many of you still, it brings chills to you to hear all three, that full three name call. You knew you were in trouble. Can I have a good amen? Uh, Our grandparents, how many grandmas and grandpas do we have in the house? You know, you get called by your grandkids and whatever they say, it sticks, right? Now, sometimes we have these fancy ideas of what we want to be called, You know, Rachel and I have already told our kids when we become grandparents many, 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 many years from now that she's going to be Lolly and I'm going to be Pops. Lolly and Pops. We want to go to Lolly and Pops. But how many know it doesn't always work out that way? Sometimes you're like Gigi, you're Meemaw, Papaw. 
I love it. When I first moved to Louisiana, I loved how people called me certain names. They didn't even know my real name. I'd go to the grocery store. And the lady behind the counter at Albertsons was checking me out, and she'd say, how you doing, baby doll? I was like, are you talking to me? Yeah, you, sugar. How's your day? I was like, I love this place. There's some days when I just feel down and discouraged. I go to Albertsons so somebody can call me Sweetie Pie. Come on, somebody. You know, this series is about the names of God, and I think this is going to be so helpful for all of us because God reveals himself to us through certain names. In fact, one name can't summarize the totality of God. Can I have a good amen? If anything, the, the takeaway, I want you to learn today, as we, as we launch into this series on the names of God, I want you to know this, God wants you and I to know him. The reason why he would reveal himself through these names is to speak to us about who he is, about what he does, and his heart for us. We're going to discover over the next several weeks that God revealed himself to the children of Israel, to the people of God, maybe through tragedy or heartache or, or through difficult circumstances. But people had an encounter with God, and he revealed his character and his nature through his name. And so this series is called Yahweh, the name's of God. Today we'll introduce this topic. Next week I want to talk to you about Yahweh Nisi and about how he is our banner. Exodus 17. Do not miss that. I cannot wait to preach that. But then on first Wednesday we'll talk about Yahweh Rapha. God is our healer and we'll do a, a healing service believing God for miracles and the supernatural. And we'll worship and pray together. But God revealing himself to us through healing, Yahweh Rapha. We'll talk about Yahweh Rohi on Palm Sunday. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll talk about Yahweh Yaira or Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. You say, Mike, where does the name Yahweh come from? Most of us are probably familiar with Jehovah. How many of you have heard Jehovah before? Yeah, well, Jehovah is simply the transliteration of Yahweh. It's basically the same word in two different languages. Yahweh is the ancient way of God describing himself. And this first encounter takes place in Exodus chapter 3, and it's probably familiar to many of us. This is Moses and the experience that he had with the burning bush. Moses and the burning bush. Now, let me give you some context here before we read the text. Uh, what was happening in Egypt. The Bible says that the Hebrew people, uh, they were slaves, and they had been slaves for 400 years. Their population was increasing, and so Pharaoh gave a, an order. It was a government mandate to kill all the Hebrew boys that were being born. He wanted to take the lives of innocent babies, specifically the boys. And so he ordered that any time a Hebrew boy was born, that he was to be killed. Can I tell you this? Any government that endorses killing of babies is not blessed by God. And I'm not trying to be political. Let's be biblical here. And so these Hebrew midwives that were helping these, these ladies give birth they defied the government order. They didn't go along with it because they realized that God's morality is higher than civil law. 
But it was in the context of, of, of this situation that Moses' mother, she gave birth to Moses and she put him in a little basket and put him in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter discovers this Hebrew boy, has compassion on him, and she names him Moses. It was actually Pharaoh's daughter that named Moses. The name Moses, speaking of names, the name Moses means to lift up are to draw out of water. This will be significant because you understand how God used Moses to part the waters. Come on, are you with me? So here Moses is born within the context of hostility and yet he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So he's, he's raised in Pharaoh's palace and he's given the best education. He eats from the finest foods and, and he's taught in the customs and culture of the Egyptians, but he knows that he's Hebrew. One day... Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And so he defends his Hebrew brother by killing the Egyptian and burying his body in the sand. Well, Pharaoh hears of this and he's furious. And so Moses has to flee and he flees to a, a desert called Midian. Moses gets married and he begins to, to shepherd his father-in-law's sheep. And here's where we pick up the story. Now think about Moses' journey from the palace, and now he's out to pasture. Exodus chapter 3, Moses comes across a burning bush while he's tending the sheep. The Bible says this in verse 4, Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Can I tell you this? Let, let me stop right here and give you this first thought. Now, I know we're going to study the names of God, but I want you to see how God called Moses' name. Number one, God knows your name. You need to know that. God knows your name. Forty years, Moses is hiding on the backside of a desert. And God sees him and calls out his name. He says, Moses, Moses. Now, there's importance to the repetition of his name. He speaks it twice, and, and there's meaning to that. Why would God call Moses twice? How many of you have to call your kids a couple of times before you get their attention? Sometimes that's how God works with us. He said the first time, and well, we don't get it, so he's got to say it again. But this had significance because it spoke of a calling. There was a commissioning about to take place. When God speaks your name twice, there's an assignment. There's a friendship. There's a care. Now consider the situation that Moses is in. He's living as a fugitive, hiding from Pharaoh, and it's been four decades he's been in the desert. I want to take a moment to talk to some of you who are in a desert season right now. Maybe you've made a mistake in your past and you're running from your past, now, hiding from the consequences of what was. Can I tell you this? God sees you. He knows where you are. He loves you. He cares for you. M Moses is working as a shepherd for his father-in-law. Now, I don't know about you. I love my father-in-law, but I didn't grow up with thoughts of one day. I just want to work for my father-in-law. And maybe your father-in-law is, you know, CEO of some company and he's daddy deep pockets. And maybe that is a desire for you. I don't know. Moses is working for his father-in-law as a shepherd. 
Can you imagine how boring it would be day after day for 40 years being a shepherd? Think about how exciting that, well, what was the daily report? Um, nobody ran off. None of them got hurt. Found some green grass. There's just not, there's not much happening in Moses' life. He's on the backside of a desert hiding from his past. And yet God sees him in the midst. Can I tell you, God sees you and will speak to you in your desert. God says, Moses, Moses, God knows your name. Here's the purpose of the desert. God will use the desert to develop you. The desert is not for your punishment. It's for your development. Uh, interesting how Jesus himself spent 40 days in the desert before he was launched into his ministry. It tells me that the desert is a season of preparation. Moses thought he had ruined his life with one mistake from his past, and God shows up to speak to him through a burning bush to remind him, I see you, I know you, and I'm not done with you. One mistake will not ruin your life. The grace of God can cover the mistakes of our past. Sometimes we're, 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 we look at ourselves through our failures and God looks at us through eyes of grace, through eyes of potential. Look at what it says in verse 10. God says, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. He says, who am I? Somebody say, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I? to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. God said, I'll be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Verse 13, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the Lord God of your ancestors has sent me to you, then they're gonna ask me, what is his name? And what should I tell them? You see, notice how Moses is arguing with this burning bush. God is speaking to him through this, this flame of fire in a bush that's not consumed. And God is commissioning him and telling him, I want you to stand in front of Pharaoh. I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. There's a big assignment here. How many of you know we serve a big God? Now, the assignment may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And Moses keeps arguing with the Lord, saying, wait a second, who am I? Who am I to lead these people? Who am I to confront Pharaoh? And then he says, God, who are you? Now, I want to stop right here and say this. You need to know how these two questions of Moses, they are, they are tied together. Moses says, who am I? And then he says, God, who are you? You won't fully know who you are until you first encounter who God is. There, there are a lot of people that are struggling with their own identity, especially in today's culture. There's a whole lot of confusion. Would you agree with me? And I think it's an intentional tool of the devil to create confusion. He doesn't want you to know who you are. But listen, if you understand whose you are, then you'll begin to learn who you are who God created you to be. You don't have to diagnose yourself. You first need to lean in to him, a relationship with Jesus. 
an encounter with God will help you discern who you are. You see, God saw something in Moses that Moses couldn't even see in himself. I love that about the spirit of God. It always speaks to our potential. Sometimes we see uh, in ourselves all of our weaknesses, all of our limitations, all of our, our shortcomings. But God always speaks to our potential. It's not just who you are now, but who he created you to be. You see, when you come to church, okay, help me now, help me. When you come to church, you step into a realm. There, there, this is a space and a place where God's speaking to your potential. The world will beat you down and remind you of how, fall, or how short you have fallen. But when you come into an encounter with God, you begin to see with different eyes. God says, listen, you may be inadequate, but my grace is sufficient. God's grace is, is enough. I know that you lack I know that I fall short, but every gap in my life, God fills with his grace. So, so quit telling God everything you're not and start believing everything he is. Now, now notice when, when Moses begins to make his excuses, but God, who am I? I can't confront Pharaoh. Who am I? I can't lead two million people. I mean, how many have a hard time just leading your own family? How'd you like two million people to be dropped in your lap and say, okay, now you take care of business. I'd say, oh me, Jesus, take the wheel. And guess what? He already has it. Oh, here's what I think is fascinating. Notice how God does not encourage Moses. He didn't. Moses is telling God everything that he's not. I can't do this. Who am I? And for me, I'm an encourager. I'll come alongside you and just be, oh, you, girlfriend, you got this. Oh, no, no, dude, you, I'm telling you, you are so gifted. You are so talented. You're going to be amazing. Notice how God doesn't say that. God does not encourage Moses. All God said is, hey, I'll be with you. Do you, do you, see, you see how God handles that? All of your insecurities, and we all have pockets of fear and doubt and insecurity. God doesn't even answer our inadequacies, and he's not trying to prop us up on some positive self-talk. He's saying, hey, look to me. I will be with you. Now, you're going to confront Pharaoh. You're going to lead these Israelites out of bondage, but you won't be by yourself. I'll be with you. Church, I think God is trying to shift our focus toward him. In the world today, if you look at yourself, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be blessed. Man, if I look in the mirror, I'm going to find a bunch of reasons why I can't do what God's telling me to do. But if I look to him, come on, turn your neighbor and say, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, if we'll focus on everything he is, then we won't have room to make excuses for everything we're not. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. Mm -mm. Now listen, why didn't Moses want to return to Egypt? Why didn't he want to go back? Well, dude, he just committed murder. He's still on like Egypt's most wanted list. They're doing those late night TV shows of killers that haven't been caught and, and his face is everywhere. That was 40 years ago, but he can't go back. 
the last time, watch this, watch this. The last time Moses tried to do something in his own strength, he failed. But God is telling him, I want you to go back. And this time, I want you to do it in my strength. You see, your strength will make a mess of things. But your surrender will invite God's blessing on things. You see, Moses wasn't coming back the same way that he left. Cole, come on, Holy Ghost. I feel that right now. He wasn't coming back the same way he left. He left in fear, but he would return in power. He wasn't the same. Why? Because the desert will do that to you. If you're in a desert season, embrace what God's trying to change and rearrange in your life. Is this making sense to anybody? The, the desert is not your punishment, but it's your development. And it took Moses 40 years before he finally took his eyes off of himself and he began to see God. Now, now what does God do to answer Moses' question? Moses first says, Lord, who am I? And then he says, well, who are you? Look at what it says in verse 14. Here's where we get the name Yahweh. Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Somebody say, I am. I want you to write that down somewhere. That's a little odd. That's, a, that's kind of a, a different name, especially to give to God. Uh, but we'll see how the, the, the purpose of this in just a moment. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. You see, number one, you need to know this. God knows your name, but number two, he is the name above all names. Interesting, he says, I am who I am. It's literally translated as, I am the one who causes all to be. I am the one who is. I was, I am, and I will forever be. Notice how Moses is operating from the framework of insecurity. But God is speaking from a place of all sufficiency. Moses is saying, I'm inadequate. And God is saying, I am more than enough. Are you catching this? You see, Moses says, but God, you don't know who I am. And God's saying, Moses, you don't know who I am. You see, if we become consumed with who he is, then who we are won't be the issue. It won't be the challenge. It won't be the stumbling block. Quit telling God everything you're not and start believing everything that he is. Everything that you're not, he already is. You say, well, Mike, I'm not strong enough. Guess what? He is. Mike, I'm not creative enough. That's all right. He is. Mike, I don't know enough. Guess what? He knows all things. This is going to help you at your job. This is going to help you as you step out in faith, as you pursue that promotion, as you try something new. Sometimes we're afraid to take risk or to step out because we're so consumed with what we're not. And God is saying, everything you lack, that's who I am. Are you catching this? You see, Yahweh means I am who I am. You say, okay, what does that mean? It means whatever you need, 
That's who God is. I need strength. Oh, Lord, that's who you are. Oh, I need peace. Guess what? That's who he is too. Lord, I need provision. I know somebody. I know somebody. Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. Lord, I need healing in a relationship. Oh, that's Rapha. Jehovah, I know somebody. I, I, I need confidence. I need boldness. You see, listen, I think courage and strength comes from knowing who God is. I think that believers ought to be the most confident people on the planet. You know why? Because our God, Yahweh, he is our God. He created all of this stuff. Uh, you know, microbiologists are trying to zoom in. You know, astrologists are trying to zoom out, and yet God said, and in Genesis, boom, everything came into existence. He is the great I am. Let me ask you this. What is it that you need today? Man, you can find it in him. You see, the challenge is sometimes people are chasing other things. They're chasing a place or a relationship or a job title or a certain amount of income. And if I can just get here, then I'll be fulfilled. And you're looking for it in all the wrong places. So, oh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll be confident when or I'll be happy when. And, and, you know, when we say things like that, that's like running a race that has no finish line. How many of you don't like to run, period? How many of you know it would be a nightmare to run a race without a finish line? Oh, sweet Jesus. No. Well, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I graduate. Then you graduate. You realize, man, I, get a, I need a J-O-B. So you get a job. Well, I'll be happy when, when, when I get that promotion. And so you get a promotion. You're like, man, I'm still, uh, I need somebody to share life with. No, I'll be happy when I get married. <laughs> Oh, all you married folk, you're feeling me right now, aren't you? Somebody said single people are sad and married people are mad. <laughs> you get married and you think, oh, I'm still not happy. Well, I'll, I'll be happy when I have kids. That's it. I need kids. <laughs> Woo! Eeny, meeny, miny. We ain't having no more. I'll be happy when these kids graduate and just... Get it, man, get them off the payroll. Bye, bye, y'all. Go, go. And it's like, oh, it sure is quiet in here. You're calling up your kids. Hey, what you doing today? <laughs> They're like, Mama, you've called me three times in 30 minutes. You see, you're running a race with no finish line. You're looking for something to fulfill you, and God's saying everything you want, everything you desire, fulfilled, purpose, it's found in me. I am who I am. Quit trying to figure yourself out. God created you. Hide yourself in God. You see, because in Christ is the fulfillment of everything. He's the one who created you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows your, your kingdom purpose. He knows your assignment. Until you know him, you'll always be searching. Mm, I am whatever you need. This name implies four specific things about his character. He's saying this, I am eternally self-existent. I depend on no one and nothing. Can I tell you, God does not depend 
on anybody. He's not concerned about who's in the White House, what the stock market's doing, international conflict. The Bible says in Psalms, he sits in the heavens and he laughs. Man, he is sovereign and in control of all. He's not dependent on anyone or anything. This is what I love about God. Because sometimes we think, well, Lord, we need so much. And Lord, I don't know about this. And he's like, really? I got you. Can I tell you, if you're good with God, you're good. When Trevor was little, he played playing the t-ball here in the church uh, baseball league. And he'd hit the ball off the tee and then he'd run to first base. And, you know, of course, his parents and grandparents, everybody goes nuts. I mean, there's paparazzi everywhere. I mean, you, you know, you think he's major leagues. And, you know, we celebrate our kids and our grandkids. He would hit the ball, run to first base. And when he'd get to first, he would turn around and look for me in the stands. He's looking for dad. Because he's wanting to know, Dad, how'd I do? And I would look at him from the stands and I would go. And he knew that if he was good with Dad, he's good. Listen to me, beloved. If you are good with God, you're good. If you have the smile of heaven, then the frown of man doesn't even matter. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. you believe that? He's eternally self-existent. He's unchanging. He's not up and down. He's he's, he's steady. He's stable. He's consistent with God. I I love with God. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get something solid. The rug's not going to be pulled out from under you. It's not guesswork with God. He's, He's unchanging. He's incomprehensible. He's beyond our own understanding. We talked about this last week, but I love what Tim Keller said. He said, if God were small enough to be fully understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. Please do not reduce the size of God to the level of your understanding. Let God be bigger than the box. Finally, Yahweh, I am who I am. It speaks of him being true to all of his promises. He's true to his promises. If he gives you his name, oh, there's a great scripture, and I didn't even think to put this in in the notes. Psalm 138, verse two. This is a great scripture. The Bible says this, that all of the promises of God are backed by all the honor of his name. Isn't that beautiful? Somebody say all. All the promises of God are backed by all. Come on, say all. The honor of his name. God puts his name to everything he promises. Are you catching this today? Uh, Let me wrap this up, and I want to ask the band to come come help me close this out. Who's, Who's talking to Moses in this burning bush? Yahweh. I am who I am. Verse two, it actually says this, that the angel of the Lord was speaking to Moses through this bush. Not an angel, but the angel. Now, this is cool, all right? Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. Because throughout the Old Testament, you'll see a number of times where Jesus himself is revealed. Now, we know that Jesus doesn't come until hundreds of years later, and we celebrate the birth of Christ, and you know, in the beginning of the Gospels. But there are times, and it's referred to as a Christophany, a 
Christophany, where Christ appears in the Old Testament. Exodus 3.2 tells us it was the angel of the Lord speaking through that burning bush. Now, John's gospel tells us something unique. John 8.56, Jesus is saying, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and he was glad. The people said, well, wait a second. You aren't even 50 years old. How can you say that you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, and this is what he said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. This is the same language, the exact same verbiage as the burning bush experience. When Moses says, well, who am I going to say that sent me? Who's the God that sent me? I am who I, Jesus said, guess what? That was me in that burning bush. That was me that was speaking to Moses. The Bible says, wherefore God has also highly exalted him and has given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, it's a name above every name. You say, Mike, what's in that name? Anything that you need. You need healing? It's in that name. You need salvation? It's in the name of Jesus. You need freedom from addictions and bondages and strongholds? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but it's the name of Jesus. What do we do? We steward that name. As believers, we are sons and daughters. I'm not trying to make my name famous. See, that's a problem with our culture today. Everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. Come on, talk to me. It's not about our name. It's about his name. And if we make his name famous, then it's okay if our name is anonymous. Too much celebrity type status in the church today. Oh, it's nauseating. We make celebrities out of pastors and worship leaders in church. And thank God. Th thank God for all of it. Thank God for men and women who serve faithfully. But listen, we're here to lift up his name. It's about the increase of his name and his fame and his glory. In order for that to happen, less of us and God, more of you. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.